Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Awesome. Well, I am Pastor Mark. I'm very excited to, to be here as we are continuing our series through the, the Kingdom Parables. And the, the goal of this series is to get a, to catch a glimpse of how Jesus viewed the, the kingdom of God. And we're looking at that through his usage of parables that we find throughout the, the Gospels. Jesus often taught in parables. And this week, we're going to look again at two very short little parables, the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. So I'll just start by reading through our passage today. It says, Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like, and what shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. So we're going to just dive into these Little, uh, these little parables today. But I want to start by just asking the, this question of, of each of us. Have you ever asked the question like, does Christianity actually work? Maybe it's just me. No, not anybody else, just me. But I, you know, we can think, you know, I've been struggling to be good, but, but look at all this junk that is surrounding me, broken relationships, right? sick friends or, or family, my non-existent checking account, all these things I assumed were going to, to get better as I submitted to the Lord, but it seems like there's still some struggle. Or maybe you've wondered, am I ever going to be free from this sin or this struggle? You know, many people struggle with letting things go and and getting over things like pornography or worry or jealousy, anger, you know, substance abuse of some kind. These things can keep popping up in our life and we begin to go, is the kingdom of God actually working? Is it actually doing anything in my life? Or have you ever turned on the news and thought, man, this world is going to hell in a handbasket and there is nothing that I can do about it? Right? We, we see uh, you know, stories of racial injustice, you know, sex trafficking, cor- corrupt governments, um, you know, all this you know, hunger and famine and war and all this garbage going on in the world. And you just kind of want to put your hands over your ears and kind of hide away and just hope that, that maybe Jesus will come back soon. Because it seems like nothing is really happening out there. I think if we're honest, we've all asked these questions, or at least some level of of this question. But today, what we want to look at is that God is on the move, right? It is amazing what God is doing. God is working in you. God is working in our church. God is working in our community, in our nation, and in our world. And we're going to look at some, some statistics that just reveal the amazing move of God in our world today. But we're also going to to look at how God is truly moving in us, even when it seems like we're making no forward movement. 
Right? The, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast really reveal the methods of God's kingdom. And you can't see that, nor can I. Uh, so, but the method, the definition of a method is a particular form or procedure for accomplishing or approaching something. And in these two little parables, Jesus reveals the method of the kingdom. And this is what it is. What appears small and insignificant will grow into something gloriously great. That's how God works. He starts with something small and insignificant, something that we might overlook, and grows it into something amazing. So yesterday, Amber and I walked over at Dr. Lawless Park, the 10K. We walked the 10K. Uh, and it was a it was a hard it was a hard hard thing to do. There are a lot of hills over there. I don't know if you guys have been over there, but it was beautiful and we had a great time. Um, and so we walked that. And while we were wandering around, I found this this acorn, this little acorn, and uh, and it's just. And as I was thinking about our message today, I just picked up this, this acorn and I'm looking at these incredible oak trees all around us, right? And I'm thinking, it's crazy, right, that the strength and the mass and the, the awesomeness of these trees is all bound up somehow in this little seed. And it speaks to how God works. He takes something small and he grows it into something amazing. And so we're going to look at today that what God has started in the earth is growing and extending, and what God has started in you is growing, and he is going to complete what he started. All right? So this is an encouraging message. Finally, Mark, an encouraging message from the pulpit. Good news. Okay, so the, story, the parable of the mustard seed. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. So why does Jesus use an image of a mustard seed? Uh, The the reason is because the, the mustard seed was the smallest seed planted in Palestine. Anything, the the smallest seed that they purposely would plant in their fields or gardens. And even though it was the smallest seed, you know, it's, you know, just just a, I don't know, a hundredth of the size of an acorn, just this little tiny thing, it grows up into this tree that can be 10 foot. Some, one book I read said it can grow up to 12 feet tall. Right? And so these, are, these little seeds grow up into something amazing. And normally, a mustard seed would be planted in a field. Right? In, in Israel, in Palestine, they would plant mustard seeds in fields. And the reason is because gardens were kind of small and enclosed. And once you put a mustard seed in there, everything else was done. It was all mustard. Right? And so maybe you, had, you, you liked your, your tomatoes and your corn and your squash and your zucchini or whatever it is they grew in gardens in Palestine. If you put a mustard seed, all that you're saying goodbye to. Right? But it's interesting that Jesus talks about this man planting the mustard seed in his garden. And when he said that, everybody would have understand that that's crazy because you're only getting mustard. 
And last week, we talked about the value of the the kingdom of God and being willing to to let everything go in order to retain the value of the kingdom. And that, this speaks to that, right? You're letting everything else go because of the value of this seed. And as we continue to to look at this parable, the very first word in in the Greek translation is this little word, un, the Greek word un, and it often translated as therefore, then, or so. And a conjunction is just something that connects the the previous narrative to what is happening here. Uh, I uh, grew up in my Christian walk under a man, a pastor by the name of Ken Norberg, and he would often say, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you have to find out what it's there for, okay? So they're kind of this cheesy way to remember it, but it's useful because it reminds you that, okay, this, is, this parable is not in isolation, right. right? It is connected to a grander story that the author Luke is trying to say. And while we can miss that a little bit in the NIV, in the ESV, it's very clear, right? He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? To what shall I compare it? And so somehow, author Luke is comparing this parable of the mustard seed and the yeast to what came before it. And that is a a story from uh, verse 10 through verse 17. And we're just going to read that because it gives us a little context of this parable. On, On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on one of those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things that he was doing. Therefore, what shall I compare the kingdom of God? Jesus is comparing his healing miracle in verses 10 through 17, and really this healing miracle of this one specific woman, to the growth of his kingdom. Right? This is incredible. He's saying what looks small, what, and like, this is a, a healing miracle. So in some ways, I'm like, this, is it that small? Right? But this small healing miracle, Jesus says, is just the beginning of what the kingdom of God is doing. Right? Habakkuk 2.14 says, The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the earth. Right? That is going to happen. Right? As we watch the news and think, oh, everything looks terrible, what's going on? We can hold on to this truth that the earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord. What starts out small grows into something amazing. 
And we're going to tie up a bunch of these loose threads here in a second. But in this parable, there is also this illusion or this, uh, uh, this callback right, and a quote from Daniel chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. Okay? It says, the, the seed grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Well, look at what Daniel 4, 20 to 22 says. The tr- and so this is a dream. This is referring to a dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had that Daniel comes in and uh, interprets for him. He says, The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. So all these Jewish people would have known the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. They were aware of this this dream and this interpretation. And, And so when Jesus uses this exact same language, they would have thought back to this story, right? Oh, I remember that King Nebuchadnezzar rose to to power and his kingdom extended over much of the known world, bringing in states and nations from all over the place into the umbrella of his kingdom. And so when we have this illusion or this picture, those people listening to Jesus' parable, what he's they would have understood or comprehended in a way that is a bit distant to us, unless we really know our book of Daniel. Which I, this, I uh, discovered this in a, in a commentary. So we're all on the same page. We're all working through it together, right? And so, but there's this allusion to the, the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. And in the same way that King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom spread and brought people in from all over the world, the kingdom of Jesus is going to spread over all of the world. And it's going to encompass people from every race, every nation, every tongue are going to be incorporated into his kingdom. Amen. Which the current Jewish understanding of how the, what the Messiah was going to do might not have been super excited about that. Right? But Jesus, along with Paul, is declaring that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, right? barbarian or Scythian or whatever that says. Right? We are all one and we come into the unity of the kingdom. And that is going to happen. And so the the birds here represent those nations and states that were gathered by King Nebuchadnezzar. And so we can see that just like Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, the kingdom of God will also gather people from all over the world. And it started in the middle of nowhere. When we look at the trajectory of God's kingdom, it's really very interesting. It starts with Jesus, right? who we kind of, not kind of, we think of as the supreme God, right? the second person of the, the Trinity. Right? The, he, is, he always was and always will be. But Jesus became a man, stepped down from heaven, and was born in a manger. Not an auspicious beginning, to the kingdom of Jesus. And not only was he born in a manger, he was born in Bethlehem in Judah. My dad has 
uh, been a pastor. He's currently pastoring a church just outside of Cadillac in Onekama. And he, uh, I heard him refer to Judah as the armpit of the Roman Empire. All right? It is not a significant place. It is not an important place for, for Rome. And yet this kind of dry, arid place is where Jesus was born. And so he grows up and he calls 12 disciples. Right? And these 12 disciples are predominantly uneducated fishermen. One hated tax collector. The tax collectors were seen as heretics, as uh, opponents of the kingdom of Israel. They were despised. And yet Jesus calls Matthew to come and follow him. And he also, and one of them was this like political zealot revolutionary guy fighting or talking bad about Rome. I don't know. He couldn't have been fighting too hard because he was still alive. Um, so we have all these 12 disciples. And what is interesting is that all of these guys would have been rejected by every other rabbi in Palestine. They fell short in one way or another, and so they went on and did their fishing business or, or whatever. Right? And so not great choices if you're planning on world domination. And yet, as we continue to watch the story of Jesus and throughout the book of Acts, Jesus' kingdom begins to spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the good news is that it is still spreading. So we're just going to look at some statistics that I got from David Livermore's 2013 book, Serving with Eyes Wide Open. So these stats are five years old, but it's the best I had. On average, 178,000 people convert to Christianity daily. 178,000 people. Grand Rapids, the people that live in the city of Grand Rapids are 196,000 people. So every day, just short of the population of Grand Rapids becomes Christians. That's good news. In Latin America, 35,000 conversions occur each day. There were 50,000 believers reported in Latin America in 1900. By 1980, there were more than 20 million, and the number is now over 480 million. In China, 28,000 conversions occur daily. When China became closed to missionaries in 1950, there were reportedly 1 million Christians in China. Today's estimates are nearly 100 million. In Indonesia, the largest Islamic country in the world, at least one million people convert to Christianity each year. That is a stunning statistic. India has more than 85 million believers. 200 teams travel the nation with an Indian version of the Jesus film entitled The Man of Peace and report 100,000 conversions monthly. In 1900, Korea was deemed impossible to penetrate with the gospel. Today, South Korea is reported to be more than 40% Christian, with more than 7,000 Christian churches in Seoul alone. More people have confessed Christ in Iran in the past 10 years than in the previous 1,000 years combined. Thriving churches are found in almost every Iranian city and village. Daily, 20,000 conversions occur in Africa. 40% of Africa is said to be Christian now, from almost nothing before that. Christianity is the fastest-growing religion in the world with a 6.9% growth rate. 
compared to these other religions. And that, again, is all taken from David Livermore's book. The gospel is exploding around the world. That is the good news. Other news, the the Western church in America and and in Europe and Canada, the church is declining a bit. That might be an interesting thing to discuss at our life groups. Why, Why is that? I've got some thoughts. But the majority world, they, don't, you know, they no longer call it the, the third world in, in Christian circles. It's all the, the majority world because that is where the majority of the church is. Yes, uh, you know, Western churches, we still have most of the money, but not even close to most of the people. And it's really exciting. In, in seminary, they're, they're drawing more and more theological texts from these other traditions, from people in, in Africa and in South America that are speaking in. They have just a different worldview than white Western America, who wrote 90% of the theology textbooks that we have. Right? And so there's just this reality that God is moving. It is incredible. Every single day, the city of Grand Rapids is being saved. The kingdom of God is moving and it is growing. And the kingdom of God cannot be stopped. This is the reality. And this is what the the parable of the mustard seed tells us. That we can trust that the kingdom is growing. And just like that, uh, that little mustard seed takes over the garden, right? Just like that, the kingdom of God is going to cover the entire earth. All right, so let's move on to the, the parable of the yeast. As the previous parable, it talked about the, the kingdom's expansion through the whole world. This parable talks more uh, about the, the kingdom's transformative work that is sometimes quiet and very subtle. It works from inside. All right, so verse 20. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And when we read this, we are, uh, many of us might think of all the times that leaven or yeast is used in in the Bible to talk about the the negative effects of sin. Be careful of the the leaven of the Pharisees, right? And it talks about the the pervasiveness of, of sin. But that is not what Jesus is talking about here at all. He is talking about the the pervasive movement of the kingdom of God in the world, but also in individuals. Yeast is this microscopic little thing, and just a little bit kneaded into the, the dough transforms and moves through the entire lump of dough. It's going to spread. And in this story, uh, there's 60 pounds of flour. And apparently, that will feed about 150 people, right? And so she just puts a small amount of yeast in this huge lump of dough, and by morning, it has moved all the way through, right? It has transformed this entire lump of dough. And it, in leaven, as uh, if we're bakers, I had to look this up. I guess I knew this, but it, right, it works from within, right? You can't set the leaven near the dough, and have it have any effect, right? It has to get worked into the dough. And just like that, the, the kingdom of God, right, it exerts its influence from within, not from without. God first changes the heart of a person. 
right? And then that internal change uh, affects what we do, right? When our hearts change, there is a, a ripple effect of what happens, right? We do not change people's hearts through legislation or political power or military might or strength, right? We, well, God changes people's hearts from inside. And from there, then we can affect government and we can affect other things, but we cannot expect these external things to change people's hearts. We have to pray that the Holy Spirit moves in people and transforms them from from within. And so what we can take from this is that when we allow the leaven or when we allow the Holy Spirit into us, we can trust that it is also transforming us. Right? We can often look at our lives, like I said at the beginning, and think, oh, this, this whole Christianity thing isn't working. I'm still struggling with this sin that I've prayed about seven million times, and it's, it's not getting better. I'm still struggling with this thing or that, or I thought that everything was going to be better. Maybe this thing isn't going to work. I am out of here. But what Jesus encourages us with is that it's working. And if we have been walking with Christ for some time, we can stop and we can look how far we've come. We can get angry in the the immediate moment and go, I cannot believe I stumbled in that way again. I can't believe I, I yelled at my kids again. I've been trying to get that under control. But when we look back at the trajectory of our life, we go, man, I sure get angry a lot less than I used to. And let's not forget that we are works in progress. Uh, Paul said this to the church in Philippi in his opening prayer. He said, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. We are in process, right? And that is good. In our role, as if we uh, look at 2 Corinthians 3.18, is that we are to turn our gaze upon the glory of God, and when we do that, we are transformed more and more into his image. Right? This, it's this verb that means not that we're doing anything. We don't transform ourselves. We turn our gaze to Jesus, and he transforms us. And so when we do that, when we turn our gaze to Jesus, we allow the leaven of the Holy Spirit to continue working through us. The kingdom of God works every time. The kingdom of God is working in you. And just like it will not be stopped as it spreads globally, it will not be stopped in you. And so we ask, will you choose to believe what Jesus is saying in this parable? Will you believe that the kingdom of God is spreading throughout the world and is working in you, in your family, in your community, and in our nation? The kingdom of God works subtly. Sometimes it seems invisible. But the method of the kingdom, right, is what starts out as small and insignificant, grows into glorious greatness. 
1 Corinthians 1.27 says that this is going to be not a great quotation, but uh, God chooses the, the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Just like Jesus chose these 12 fishermen and a hated tax collector and this political weirdo to be his disciples, God chooses, chooses you. And don't let your shortcomings disqualify you from doing what God has called you to do. Because he has not forgotten. He's not going to leave you where you are, but he is going to continue to transform you into his image until he returns. So are you willing to make room for the kingdom in your garden? And now remember, when you plant the mustard seed, it's going to take over. Are you willing to, to let everything go for the value of the kingdom of God? And if you do, if you allow the, the Holy Spirit to move in you, if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you bend your knee to, to Christ, then you can hold on. And you don't have to lose heart. The leaven of the Holy Spirit is working in the world and it is going to work in you. The kingdom of God is working and it cannot be stopped. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. And Lord, we celebrate the, the extension of your kingdom throughout the world with these incredible statistics, God, of, of what is happening Lord, we thank you that people in, in, all, in, in the majority world are, are coming to you in droves. We thank you that, that Muslims are, are turning to you as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, we thank you that you are working in us. Lord, even when we feel like we've failed, when we feel like we've messed up, Lord, we choose to, to repent to turn our face to you and allow your leaven to work through us. Lord, would you continue to transform us more and more into your image? Lord, we plant the, the seed in our garden. Lord, we say we want you more than anything else. And we thank you that you are working. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.